Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. And tonight, I have a one-word title, exquisite, exquisite. The starting pitching in the system was exquisite. None of the starters dropped the ball or fumbled the baton or anything like that. None of them messed up. And it makes it so much easier when I can talk about, you know, four, five starters that did well. It's kind of fun that way. Um, and I'll start with the parent club because Kyle Hendricks was Kyle Hendricks again. And when they pinch hit for him with Janeshwi Fargus, I like seeing Fargus getting a chance. I Do what you're going to do. Let, let us see. Uh, he still hasn't played... <coughs> He still hasn't played more than eight games for any team this year. Think about that. Janeshwi Fargus hasn't played more than eight games for any team this year. Low A, double A, triple A, New York Mets. He's played seven or less games. Maybe he played eight games at one stop. But he's been seven games or less, seven games. Or less. Is it, now we need you up here. Now we need you over here. Now we need you over here. Now we, now you got designated for assignment. The Cubs picked him up. And now he's played, what, two, three games for the Cubs? Let's see if he can get to eight. That'd be cool. See if he's any good. I have no idea. Learned some stuff. Um, so Kyle Hendricks came out. And my question is, Kyle Hendricks was being lifted. Who's next? Because... You know what the bullpen was for the entire season. You have the three-headed monster, all three of whom have been since traded. And with those three doing so well, it was easy to have other players, who, other pitchers who, okay, we're going to fill this guy in here, this guy in here. And when it gets to be a 6-1 to one lead, not a problem. We'll, we'll just bring in this other guy. We'll, we'll bring in... Uh, Keegan Thompson, we'll bring in Tommy Nance, we'll bring, you know, whoever it is. And if it would get even remotely close, then they'd bring in the leverage guys. But this time there was, there, the leverage guys, they're gone, they're gone. So, uh, it was informative for me to see how David Ross is going to handle this because I had no idea. Um, Rex Brothers came in and immediately created a huge monstrous jam making it six to three with nobody out and the bases are loaded cody hewer i have been mispronouncing his name hewer um got out of the inning allowing only one run very good job nicely played then kyle ryan as the closer hmm would not have seen that coming when uh, one of the first two guys got on, uh, Jake Jewell was warming up. Okay, now that's interesting. Jake Jewell is a closer concept. Hmm, I like it. I like it. I don't know if it'll work, but I like the idea. Look into it. Check it out. See if it's any good. Because if Jake Jewell can close, hey, that'll work. Uh, closer is different from other things. If you can close, you can close, and you don't have to do anything else. Um, Ryan gets the ground ball double play, ball game over, Cubs win 6-3, to three. Kyle Ryan gets the well-earned save, <laughs> uh, triple A game, start, 
tongue and tooth together. There you go. Um, the game yesterday was delayed and um, suspended until today. It was 3-2 to two in the 5th. Scott Efros took over and pitched actually quite well. Gave up a run in the 8th. And the offense was not getting anything done with a runner on first. And I think there was one out in the seventh or eighth inning. Greg Dykeman nailed one to right field, right, right center. Missed a home run just barely. Laced it off the right field wall. Settled for a double. No runs scored, and Iowa lost 4-2. to Okay, no no huge worry. Uh, Abayatol Avellino had two hits, and I think he had a home run that game. Um, in the second game, Keegan Thompson got the start. And three innings, again, Keegan Thompson being extended because they want him to be able to go Four, five, five, six, six, something like that. And see if they can get him to the point where he can be a starter this season, which would be absolutely amazing. Three innings today, no hits, one walk, no runs, four strikeouts. Ryan Kellogg followed, four innings pitched, no runs, two hits. So that sounds really good because second game of a doubleheader, seven inning game. That means that the... Cubs won in a shutout, right? No, no, not really. Uh, Cubs offense was absolutely, um, well, they didn't do a lot. Did not accomplish a lot. Went to the ninth. Ben Leeper came in. Spotted runner on second. Bunt for a hit. Then a walk. Bases loaded. Nobody out. And Ben Leeper immediately takes the form of Cody Hewer and escapes the inning with only the inherited runner, the planted runner, scoring. So it's one to nothing to the bottom of the seventh for Iowa. And Dykeman fanned. Abital Avellino drew a two-out walk. So they're down one to nothing, runners first and second. And Antonio Rivas banged a two-run double with Evelino just sneaking in around the tag. I-Cubs win. Two to one. I-Cubs win. I-Cubs win. I-Cubs win. Tennessee. Javier Assad has been very hot and cold all season. Today, six innings pitched. Seven hits, two earned runs, two runs, two earned runs. Not a whole lot. Let's see. I didn't even write down walks or strikeouts. I don't, either he had none or a very low number. Um, But again, with so much with Tennessee, if the starter can do an even remotely adequate job, then the offense usually will have enough time to put some runs on the board. And today they did. And they did it in a moderately different fashion than they usually do. 
Carlos, Carlos Sepulveda hit his second home run of his career. I should do a little research on that because uh, I think that could possibly be not entirely accurate. Not wrong, but not entirely accurate. I have to do a little bit of research on that. Um, Tyler Payne homered and Levi Jordan homered. Delvin Zinn drew two walks in his double-A debut. And Tennessee won 6-3. Uh, Brennan Davis was hit by pitch in the wrist because why not hit Brennan Davis in the wrist with a pitch? Um, he didn't leave the game, so he stayed in. He was all good or whatever. He did not leave the game. He's not dead or anything. So um, the, the pitcher didn't have to get mutilated and have... Uh, Life and limb ripped from him and all that kind of stuff. But still, stop. Stop hitting Brennan Davis. Just stop. Walk him. Don't don't hit him. Uh, so Tennessee wins. South Bend turned to Chris Clark. Chris Clark is one of those. He's a, a bit of a... He had come into the year, for me at least, as a bit of a unicorn. Um... He was a college reliever. There was talk that he was going to be a pro starter. And people were saying, well, Chris Clark's going to be here. Chris Clark's going to be there. He's going to be doing this. He's going to be doing that. Chris Clark didn't do a darn thing at the start of the year because he wasn't pitching. He wasn't, you know, health and whatever. He, he wasn't pitching like so many other pitchers haven't been pitching. Finally, this was his third start, his second at the full season level. Four innings. Two runs, no walks, five strikeouts. And considering how good Quad City's offense is, I'm completely, completely good with that result. Jake Slaughter had two hits. Nelson Velazquez, Jonathan Perlaza, and Harrison Wenson all drove in runs. DJ Artis was one for four with two runs scored. South Bend ends up losing... Four to three, but nonetheless, Chris Clark started. Chris Clark did well enough. If Chris Clark does like that for a few more times next year, he might be good to start in double A. And that's always a good thing, especially with a left-handed pitcher. So uh Clark six seven and has a nasty curveball. I don't know what you're thinking, like uh Rich Hill. Except he's not, his curveball isn't that kind of a curveball. Um, Myrtle Beach, as we close up, DJ Hers. Yes, it was Hers Day on a Saturday. Five innings pitched, two hits, one run, one earned, no walks, and, oh, by the way, nine strikeouts. DJ Hers is, there are a number of us that talk about stuff here and there. And DJ Hers. He's probably about done with low A. Yeah, he could stick around there and probably learn some more things, but I he's getting in five innings pretty much every start in Myrtle Beach. He could go to South Bend and get in four innings. They should have enough arms to be able to take care of the rest of the innings through the case of the week. Yeah, I think it's about time for DJ Hers to go to South Bend. South Bend is a long way from North Carolina. I hope he's okay with that. Um, Danias Correa, D-A-N-I-S. 
somehow that ends up being a three-syllable name. Not entirely sure how that works. Danius Correa. Danius Correa. Kind of snuck up on me a bit. Uh, today, two innings pitched, one hit, three strikeouts. Uh, his ERA is down to two. Wow, that that scared that scared the heck out of me. Danius Correa's ERA is down to two point oh five. And if at this point in the season you've been getting used regularly, and your ERA is down to two point zero five in low A, you probably don't belong in low A. Move him up. He can take the same plane with DJ Hers. Who knows? Maybe a couple others. Would be nice to get some more outfielders moving up, though, because uh, I just if an outfielder or two from Myrtle Beach can move up, then um, all the better. Um, you know, Hendrick Panango, Jonathan Sierra, and Matt Mervis all had two hits. Mervis had a home run, and that game ended up. That game ended up close. That game ended up close. It was six to six to two, six to one going into the ninth inning. And then uh Bailey Reed, who's usually fantastic as a closer type at low A, had a not good outing. And Jared Wright had to come in and get the last out to close out the save. He did. But the important thing on the night was the um, starters were fantastic. Now, two interesting things. Apropos of nothing. I like that term. Apropos of nothing. I don't know what this means. It really makes no sense, but it's factual. And I have a tinfoil hat idea that makes absolutely no sense. But without the tinfoil hat idea, I, I have nothing. I have uh, I have nothing. Now, I, I think I did. I mention that uh, South Bend um, Alexander. Jeez, I didn't... Um, the guy the Cubs got in the draft. The outfielder the Cubs got in the draft. He's with South Bend. He was on the roster card. He and um, Bryce Ball did not play tonight, but they're both on the roster card. I, I trust you know what I mean by on the roster card. Nowadays, not only for major league games, but for minor league games as well. You have your 25 or 26 or 28 or 30-man roster or whatever it is. All the players that are eligible for that game are listed on the roster card. You have your nine guys up at the top in the lineup. You have your one spot for the pitcher. Then at the bottom, you have your spare hitters and your spare pitchers. You dig? Okay, so, you know, like today the Cubs had Janeshwi Fargus and um, Frank Schwindel and Robinson Chirinos. They were all on the bottom as far as in the hitters category. Then on the pitchers category, they had Kyle Ryan and Jake Arrieta and all of them. So everybody who's eligible to play in the game is on the roster card. 
took longer than I needed to explain it, but you're smart. You probably get that. So now, who's on the roster card in Myrtle Beach? There's plenty of room. There's plenty of room. You don't want to have too many guys on the roster anyway because you want to have the players playing. You know, you, you don't want to have 47 guys on the Myrtle Beach roster because the guys who are there, you want them to be able to actually play. Like Ed Howard, play a day, sit a day. Play two days, sit a day, play a day. Something like that. Uh, but you, you don't want to have so many guys that people are, there's no reason this guy should be on the roster. If there's no reason a guy should be on the roster, you don't put him on the roster. On the roster for Myrtle Beach is Pete Crow Armstrong. Pete Crow Armstrong uh, broke his collarbone in May. He's not playing. He's not playing. He's on the roster. He's not playing. Why is he on the roster? Fair question? Seems a fair question to me, but because... I take great pride in wearing a tinfoil hat. I actually have an answer. It's probably wrong, but I do have an answer. (sighs) Full breath. One of the things that's kind of fun to do when you're listening to a minor league game is some of the announcers are really strong at some aspects of the game and less good at other aspects of the game. Some are really good at a lot of different aspects. One of the aspects in minor league, the minor leagues, is first off, calling the game you're watching. You know, that's really an important thing. Uh, (laughs) Did the right fielder take a good route on the fly ball? Oh, we seem to have a war zone out on my street, so I'm sorry for the uh, bombs going off. I forgot this was July 4th. Um, so yeah, you want to have the announcer call the game, do a proper job of that, explain things, is the strike zone proper, you know, what, what, all that kind of stuff, all that kind of stuff. Uh, did, did the runner get a good jump off of first base? Because you can't necessarily see, you have one camera angle and some of us are listening on the radio anyway. So we're relying upon the announcer to tell us. That was a good throw by Greg Dykeman, which is something I heard tonight. Good throw by Greg Dykeman. Note to self, good throw from Greg Dykeman out of right field. Okay, good. Now I know. Um, what is that guy's name? What is that guy's name? Came over on the Bryant trade, and I'm not going to run away. Uh, I'll figure out 45 seconds after the podcast ends. But uh, he's on, he's on the roster card for South Bend should play tomorrow because he was on the roster card today. And if he's on the roster card today, he wasn't going to play today, but he will probably play tomorrow. But on the roster card tonight for Myrtle Beach was Pete Crow Armstrong. Now, one of the things that some announcers are particularly good at is updating you on how major leaguers that used to play with that team are doing at the major league level. For instance, if that is an important part of the announcer's um, 
playbook. And that's the kind of thing that, you know, maybe the bottom of the fourth, you'll do the updates as far as who did what last night in major leagues. And, you know, um, for instance, uh, Jason Hayward played in Myrtle Beach. Kyle Hendricks played in Myrtle Beach. Ian Happ played in Myrtle Beach. Glaber Torres played in Myrtle Beach. Eloy Jimenez played in Myrtle Beach. So you can update on how all the guys from Myrtle Beach from, you know, throughout the years because you're going to have some shuffle as far as whether a guy was traded from one organization to another or the organization switched from this uh, affiliation to that affiliation. So, you know, you get some Cubs stuff, some Brave stuff, whatever. Rangers, I think they were in there somewhere. C.J. Edwards might have even been at... uh, Myrtle Beach. Not sure on that, but he might have could have been. Um, so, if a player has played at a certain level, you'll update how he does. And with, right now, there seems to be a bit of a commitment toward having a longer-term relationship. For instance, the Cubs and the Chicago Cubs and the I-Cubs, it goes back forever. You know, it goes back to the 70s, early 70s at least. I can't remember if it goes all the way back to the 60s, but it might. So if there's a guy who played AAA ball for the Cubs, he played for the I-Cubs. So when the I-Cubs are going through stuff, and trust me, they've had moments where they do quite a bit of that, um... You go back, your account, yeah, this guy played at Iowa, this guy played at Iowa, this guy played at Iowa. They all hit home runs tonight. Two of them were, uh, two of them were three-run homers, one of them was a grand slam. Awesome. You know, it's, it's really fun to take the team you're listening to and relate it to Major League Baseball and remind people that, yes, the players you're watching at whatever level could eventually be in the Major Leagues. Now... What's that have to do with Pete Crow Armstrong, a guy who has a broken collarbone? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if the Myrtle Beach Pelicans fill out a roster card tomorrow with, let's say, Pete Crow Armstrong listed as the designated hitter, batting seven. And when he comes up, they pinch hit for him. I don't know if you can do that in the minor leagues. I don't think you can in the major league level because what it uh, what used to happen is teams would have you know if the starting pitcher gets lifted six or seven batters into the game, you might want to pinch hit for the DH. But I think a while back, Major League Baseball said, no, you can't do that at the Major League level. I'm not sure if you can do it at the Minor League level or not. But if it was a situation of where, for Myrtle Beach, it's important enough for them. We want Pete Crow Armstrong to be an actual Myrtle Beach Pelican. He's here. He's getting to know the players. He's doing the work that he can do. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever. I I don't know what you do to uh, rehab a broken collarbone. I don't know what he can actually be doing right now. But um, I talk to the league, talk to the umpires, talk to the managers, 
uh, you know, uh, this is what we want to do. Would you mind if we would have this player listed as the DH, and when it's his turn to come up, somebody pinch hits? I don't know if that's technically legal in minor league baseball. It's not legal at the major league level. But if Pete Crow Armstrong would get that one game of having played with Myrtle Beach, even though he doesn't play, even though he doesn't play, I don't know, maybe they could put him at second base. Ooh, that's a different way to do it. You can't do that with the DH. Oh my goodness, I like that. Um, yeah, so here's here's the deal. Um, you tell everybody what you're doing before the game. This is what we're going to do. Don't want to pull any surprises on you. This is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. Oh my goodness. Pulling Eddie Goodell. It's an Eddie Goodell. I love it. Uh, have Pete Crow Armstrong listed as a center fielder. It's a, it's a road game. It's in Augusta. Have Pete Crow Armstrong listed on the lineup card. I wouldn't have him lead off, but second or third, whoever was batting second or third, whatever, whichever guy it ends up being. It's like Yohendrick Penango, put Penango in right field or left field or center field or wherever you're going to put him. Have Pete Crow Armstrong in the starting lineup, in a jersey, all that kind of stuff, wearing a hat, getting the picture taken, care, taken, and then he doesn't even he, he doesn't even go out to the on deck circle. He's just in the starting lineup, so he's officially a person that was listed in a Myrtle Beach lineup card in a game. So because he was listed in a Myrtle Beach game in a Myrtle Beach lineup in the starting lineup. He's officially played in a game for Myrtle Beach, and he's officially a Myrtle Beach Pelican. So, five, six, seven, eight years down the line, Pete Crow Armstrong, whether he's with the Cubs, whether he's with the Giants, whether he's with the Royals, wherever he ends up, if he ends up at the major league level, Myrtle Beach gets to talk about him as if he's one of their own. Now, you know and I know he's not playing. He's not playing, not with a broken collarbone. But at least if he's in the starting lineup, he's technically a person who was once upon a time on the Myrtle Beach Pelicans, even though he didn't play. Oh, I like that idea. I thought of it with the DH. I don't know if you can do it with the DH, but you can certainly do it with any other position. You can certainly do it with any uh, This guy's in the starting lineup. Hey, doesn't he have a broken collarbone? Yeah, he does. Fast healer. No, we're going to pinch hit for him. But at least if he's in the starting lineup, then he's officially a member of the team. I I think I've just figured out a mystery. I, I would not be at all surprised if listed on Sunday, either first, second, or third in the Myrtle Beach lineup is Pete Crow Armstrong because there's no other reason for him to be on the roster Saturday if he's not going to, air quotes, play on Sunday. So there you go. Uh, exquisite night of pitching from the top all the way down to the bottom. And I think the, I think, I think Mesa pitched pretty well too. Gave up 
two runs early, then scored three. Yeah, starter gave up two early, but then it was really quite. And they Myrtle and uh, Mesa led six to two to the bottom of the seventh. Mesa scored four, and then one run was all they needed in the eighth. I think that's what it was. So yeah, incredibly good pitching, and it was. Uh, Cubs against Cubs in the Dominican, and the pitching was really good there. So yeah, I think I have solved a mystery, a mystery where there's no crime and there's no body and nothing along those lines, but I think I know why Pete Crow Armstrong is in the lineup, and it's ridiculously hokey, and since the Cubs weren't going to be using that roster spot tomorrow anyway, how many guys do you really need on a minor league roster on the hitting side, when you already have the DH anyway. Send up, send Pete Crow Armstrong out to the on-deck circle. Let's see, where's he from? He's from Cali, so I don't think his family would necessarily be flying into Myrtle Beach, though you never know. Maybe they would, maybe they would. Maybe they'd get a kick out of it. Um, his mom was on Little Big League. So I, I, I ran into that on the Twitter machine today. And uh don't think I watched Little Big League. And his mom and his dad both worked on Heroes in 2006. Something along, something along those lines. But uh, yeah, so his, his family is definitely actors. And I don't think the moment will be too big for him. And... The only reason I see Pete Crow Armstrong, he's on the roster. If he's not on the roster, they can put him on the 60-day disabled list and then add somebody else. But he's on the roster, which means he's taking up one of the 180 spots. They have to be doing something. He has to be on the roster for a reason. He's got to be on the roster because he's playing tomorrow, and then he's getting put on the 60-day disabled list when they start bringing in all the draft picks who haven't signed yet. Oh, one thing, one more thing before it. Wow, I wasn't expecting this one to take half an hour. Um, the Cubs do some interesting things with their draft picks. They, last year, had a bit of a mini-camp for their draft picks. Sent them off, like, into seclusion at a hermitage or something like no not not really that but they they do a lot of team building with the group the draft picks specifically off doing things together building rapport building trust getting them to understand how the major league thing works particularly in the cubs system and because of that sometimes the draft picks have a tendency to start later than some other draft classes do. So in part because of that, none of the draft picks have been assigned to play anywhere. And there's no games on Sunday with the short season. So you don't have to do any major roster finagling yet. But if you're going to do some roster finagling on Monday, you might as well on Sunday have... Pete Crow Armstrong start 
bat sec. Let's see. Can he May, late May, mid to late May, he would have gone on the 60. So he would be eligible to come off the 60 probably about six or eight days ago. So he could be off the 60. Have him play, quote unquote. Wow. That's devious and cool. Anything to get him to be considered a Myrtle Beach Pelican. I love it. I love it. Sam Wiederhoft would absolutely love it too. But you have to do it on the road because you can't do it at home because at home he'd have to go out and play defense first. But this way you can say, yep, he's our center fielder today or he's playing right field. Oh, geez. Turns out he has a broken collarbone. He's not going to play today. So then you send up a pinch hitter. Wow, that's devious and that's cool. Well, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for listening. Exquisite pitching and Cody Hewer did a nice job. And if they're contemplating Jake Jewell as a potential closer, that's a good thing as well because Cody Hewer and Jake Jewell both have about 78 billion years of... Um, Major League service time still to go before they're free agents. And taking advantage, taking full, total, complete advantage of that would be a nice thing for the Cubs to do. So, thanks for stopping by. Um, Be safe. Be nice to others. And let's see if Pete Crow Armstrong is in the starting lineup tomorrow for Myrtle Beach. I'm thinking he is. It's the dumbest thing in the history of the world, but I'm digging it. Uh, We'll see. You have a nice night.